This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. So finding out my human design really gave me that licensing to be a lot easier on myself. You know, the same way with like some other people, if they even feel shame for always like being so energetic or, you know, mm-hmm. people always coming to them, like how you said, like coming to them to for help. Yeah. I was like, once you understand your human design and you understand the boundaries that you need to set around it, it it's exactly what you say. You like, you settle into more flow. Is that it really gives us kind of a blueprint to how we're designed to operate at our best. Like very specifically how we're meant to make decisions and work within teams and cultivate relationships and create opportunities for ourselves and all the things. And I usually say that human design is not our, not about changing who we are. It's really about kind of giving us permission to be who we've always been. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the pod. I'm excited for today's episode, mostly because I think I finally figured out or I know I finally figured out what to call the pod. So announcing the new name. The new name will be dun, 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 dun. I need sound effects. Something to share with Sydney. So the title of the podcast is something to share. The reasoning behind this, I felt like the podcast and why I'm doing this is nothing necessarily about myself. It's all about the people on the other end listening to this right now, the people that I have on the podcast. And I feel like I'm bringing these people on and I'm sharing parts of my life. They're sharing parts of their life. And we're all ultimately sharing experience together. So this podcast is something to share. You can share it with your friends. You can share it with your family. You can share it with yourself and you know take it throughout your life. So it's short and simple and I am just really excited about it. So this is something to share. Hi, everyone. So when you search uh, the podcast, you'll just type in something to share. All of the other older podcast episodes will all still be there. So don't worry about that. And then the same thing for Instagram, which I have to change the handle. So I will tell you that at the bottom of this episode. Um, Yeah. So today we have a couple special guests on. So we've had Bibiana on the episodes before. She was on a past episode with Nicole and everyone really loved her episode. We had great feedback from her about her and her and I connected in a lot of ways because we have gone through a very similar journey with The Bachelor and how we approached it and what we learned after it during it. And a lot of it was about self-discovery for us and learning, you know, more about ourselves and how we can, you know, keep our mental health in check and different self-care practices that we've developed. A lot of them for the two of us has been more of like a spiritual practice. And with that comes with all kinds of different avenues where you can take it. Today, we are going to talk about human design. So I have a human design specialist on, Erin Claire Jones. She's amazing. I've had her speak with me a few times. I She came to Madison Square Garden and talked to the Nick City Dancers. So basically, if you have ever looked up your horoscope before or felt connected to it in any way, or you've done one of those Enneagram tests or anything basically about self-discovery and getting to know yourself, That's basically what human design is on just a whole other level. So before you start the episode, I want you to go to the website that's listed below on how to look up your design type. So do that first. So stop right now. Go look yours up because honestly, once I figured out what my type was, my whole life changed. I'm not even kidding. I've never felt so seen in my entire life. I've never felt so understood. And it just allowed me to be who I am and to accept that. And it gave me uh, so many tools to apply to how I operate in my life. I know that sounds really insane, but it does. So just go look it up right now. You know, Keep an open mind and see what comes up. Read it and then press play. And then we'll go through each of the types so you can really understand 
yours. It's pretty interesting. So I hope you love it as much as we do. And Bibiana is also a big fan. So I'm going to bring her on. We're going to chat through how she discovered it, what she's up to, and then we'll bring on Erin. It's going to be fun. So without further ado, let's talk to Bibiana. Hi. Hi, Bibiana. Welcome to the pod again. Thanks for coming. Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Um, what is new since we've talked to you? I think that was like a month or so ago, two months maybe. Anything new in your life? I did actually see on social media that you are trying this new diet, right? For You have Crohn's. Is that what it is? Yeah. So I have Crohn's. It's just I like to educate my th- myself on all things um, that help with inflammation within the body. Mm -hmm. And so I'm reading this book, it's called the carnivore diet. It's, you know, I understand that it's really controversial because there's a lot of people who are vegan and vegetarian, Mm -hmm. but as someone I've had Crohn's since I was 19 years old. So that's well over 10 years now. I've realized throughout the years that eating, having a protein based diet for me feels the best. Um, typically when you have like inflammatory issues and gut issues, you want to stay away from high fibers because your body has to work 10 times harder to break down, break that down. And so that's like plant-based, you know, like anything from like kale, I had to learn the hard way that kale is a cruciferous and like Brussels sprouts and broccoli and cauliflower, like all the really yummy veggies you I have to completely stay away from because it's an entire nightmare and so this year I kind of um this is a this is a nurse um her name is nutrition with Judy on Instagram that I've been following for a long time she I really like her because it's not she puts facts and I'm such I geek out with anyone who gives me science and like it's based on science and it's based on facts. And so I've learned a lot from her. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of the books I haven't started the diet. It's definitely really like strict. But the idea of this elimination diet is to heal your gut, heal the inflammation in your system and in your body. And then as time go- goes by, then like you can start reintroducing specific mm-hmm. foods, obviously, like you don't want to be eating pizza every day. That's not the ideal thing, but that you can, you know, reintroduce, like I haven't, I can't have dairy. And mm-hmm. essentially there's, I know this one friend of mine who has healed her gut through this diet to the point where like, she can have like pure dairy wow. and that's huge. That would be huge for me. Yeah. So I'm doing that. And then this year I decided that I really wanted to shift gears and I feel like a lot, I, we kind of spoke about this, like once you're off the show and you've kind of like, you're a few seasons in, you feel like the community that follows you and your, your group, it, it's more aligned to you yeah. and not so much based people off that life. stick around post show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Which is nice. and, Yeah. So I really want to give that community some love within Instagram. I'm still kind of figuring out the balance and we've talked about this, Mm -hmm. um, which is pretty exciting getting into human design, how, how all of that, how it all affects each other. Yeah. How all affects and it's all intertwined, but Mm Um, I really want to connect with my audience and just like inform them, like with the things like the diet, it's all that, that stuff really lights me up. And then this year I'm going to be focusing a lot of my energy on finances, mm, which is like, huge. feels like taboo to even talk about on social media. Yeah. Um, and just really outing my shadow with that and releasing any money shame attached. And I think that the best way to do that is just like growing the balls to like showing talk it. about it. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's major. I need to do that as well. Cause I just, there's so much that I don't know about it. And then 
to learn it on your own is one thing, but then to learn it and then show what you've learned or show what you still don't know yet on a social space is really um, empowering and also very scary. So I commend you on doing that. I almost feel like we should start like having someone, I should reach out to some of those people and I'll just keep bringing you back for all the people that you're obsessed with. And we can just have like these nerd outs because I love it. I love just like learning. I'm the same way because we'll talk Mm -hmm. about this later, but we just love obsessing over certain things and just deep diving into them. So I completely relate to you on that. Have you always been super curious? Have you always worked off on your own? Like you have a big dancing background. So have you always been essentially like your own boss? You ran your own business? Um, Yeah, I would say when I was doing more dance in that part of that life and like living in New York, I felt like I probably was very out of alignment a lot of the time just because of the constant doing. And for me, it was like always going to auditions and not – again, we'll talk about this later, but like not waiting for the invitation and not just like – like trying to do and accomplish things like I thought that was the way of doing it or the only way of doing it. But the more I did that, the more walls I kind of ran into. And that I think I just needed something on the side just because I was I felt like very frustrated often and just like not knowing what my path was supposed to be like dance was just always a part of my life. So I kept doing it and it still like lights me up and I still enjoy it. But there was always a lot of walls with it and a lot of like um, obstacles that I I reached because of it. So I think I started getting into like podcasts and listening to them. And then I found all these spiritual people or these like human design things. And I would just like go down these rabbit holes. And then I finally felt like I had a practice, I think, in order to figure out where I'm going in life. And I'm obviously still don't know what's what's going on. I still don't know where I'm going to go. But I have more tools now. Or I'm collect, I like to collect tools in order for me to like get through life or like figure out what I'm doing. I don't know if that fully answered the question, but I think it's always just been like a thing that I've always enjoyed on the side. And now it's I'm trying to incorporate that into like my work and my life now. That right. makes it's sense. funny that you said that dance was such a big part of your life because dance was a huge part of my life. And I was a Dolphins cheerleader mm, that's for, right. right after right after I danced in college and then I went straight into the NFL and um I really just thought like, I'm going to do this forever. I'm going to be the director of the Miami Dolphins cheerleaders. I'm going to work for this organization. That's all I really saw myself. And when all of that shifted, it felt like I had no direction in life. Yeah. I've been going through that this like this month because there's no option to be doing that. And like I had like a full mental breakdown because I basically had to mourn that part of my life because it's not possible. But yeah, it's like you put your energy and your focus on one thing for so long. And then when you don't aren't doing that, you're like, who am I? What am I? What am I supposed to be? Like, what is my purpose? Yeah. I probably mourned that time of my life for like seven years. Yeah. (laughs) Because I probably like I went through a quarter life crisis, right? Like immediately after. And it was a little bit early because I wasn't even 25. But I felt like, where's my sense of direction? And, you know, this is how human design comes into play. Like had I known it then, mm-hmm. then I probably would have been a lot easier on myself because yeah. part of the, pro- you're a projector as well. So part of the projector's journey is kind of like, you sometimes don't have this one, one path thing. in life. Yeah. It takes you, it like, I, at least for me, I, for you the same, right? Where it's like, doesn't matter what authority you are, you kind of have to be open to like life taking you in any direction. Yeah. And I just thought that like, because of everybody, you know, the status quo and like what everybody isn't like, this is what you're supposed to, you're supposed to go to school, then you're supposed to get a job and Mm -hmm. have a family, um, which fortunately that's really changed throughout 
the past five years. Yeah. I think people have like really expanded. Like you don't just have to work in a nine to five, but I went through a massive identity crisis mm-hmm. then. And then I would say, even with like the bachelor, that oh, was yeah. like the first time that I felt like I manifested something in such a long time. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And I went through like a dry spell of like not really knowing what direction I was going and like not really understanding things. And so to have a big manifestation like that come into my life Mm -hmm. was like, okay, there's something shifting energetically for me here. Mm -hmm. Now, what I will say that I wish I would have known with my human design, this is something that my therapist, um, and we'll talk about it, obviously, but my therapist had encouraged me to um, do my human design chart and figure out who, like what it is. And because it's like how you had mentioned, like, it's basically like a personality test. And Mm -hmm. so, but a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, And I think back to my experience on The Bachelor and how desperate I was to go back that last season for Paradise to make it right. Because I felt like I didn't really like give myself the best shot Mm -hmm. in other seasons where I essentially like put other people first and was so the drama and what's going on with everybody else that I wasn't thinking about my love story Mm -hmm. and you have to be a little bit you have to be a lot selfish in that dynamic but I wasn't invited Mm -hmm. I put myself out there Mm. yeah because you would ask them about coming back on didn't you yeah come back on so I really wanted to clean say and obviously like you know what the process is like you don't just ask to go back and then it doesn't it yeah. happens like yeah. you have to go to casting again mm-hmm. it has to be a good fit so the producers giving me a chance was like awesome but essentially like had I really been in my human design mm-hmm. and waited for that invitation maybe you know like it would have gone was- differently yeah a completely different story. Yeah, and I had known about human design going into The Bachelor, but I think it just all of, all of it overwhelmed me and it's hard to it, you it's impossible to wait for the invitation in that setting because it's all about like going after The Bachelor, like doing all the things. So, yeah, it was really difficult for me to apply that. Plus, I was taking in everyone else's emotions I felt like in the in the house or and on the beach and it was overwhelming and I couldn't really process like I remember crying a lot and I was like why am I crying so much and I almost feel like it wasn't even my own emotions I was just feeling everyone's and it was just like amplifying it essentially so I never really thought about that like I was so agitated on my first season I was so on edge I mean it could have been the fact that I was my I was taking Adderall at that time Mm. um which doesn't help and it's a whole nother black hole to go but Um, it really does. Like, I always think back to like my time on Ari season. I was just like, so into this isn't right. This isn't fair. Or, you know, how I had to stand up to Crystal. And Mm -hmm. like, I, that's definitely not something that I'm like, super proud of. But as a collective, when you're thinking about the energy you're absorbing, everybody was feeling that, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody Mm -hmm. thought like, this isn't fair. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah think like we absorb that type of energy and so it's really 
interesting to have learned this much now. And I'm like, damn it, if I would have yeah. had it then. <laughs> if only, right? You could have like applied it. But there's so many factors that go into those things. But basically, we have Bibiana today on because both of us are obsessed with human design. And I've talked with um, the person that we have on today, Erin Claire, and she's a human design expert. So like I said earlier, look up your type and then hopefully you'll be as obsessed with it as we are. And then we can all go through this little nerd out together. So yeah. Thanks, Bibi. <laughs> so let's just jump in. Can you just tell everyone? There's, I'm sure a lot of people haven't heard of human design before, don't really know what it is. But I, I was saying this earlier, as long as you've ever been connected to your horoscope or ever like done a self-assessment test of any kind, you'll probably enjoy human design. So can you just tell everyone who you are, what you do, what human design is, and we'll kind of go from there. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. So my name is Erin and I work with human design, both on the individual level, but also with partnerships and families and teams. Um, and basically what human design does is that it really gives us kind of a blueprint to how we're designed to operate at our best, like very specifically how we're meant to make decisions and work within teams and cultivate relationships and create opportunities for ourselves and all the things. And I usually say that human design is not, our, not about changing who we are. It's really about kind of giving us permission to be who we've always been. And I think part of what drew me to human design is just like how grounded and tactical it is. I think there are a lot of systems out there that give us a lot of information, but we have like no idea what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I think human design just gives us like very specific tools that we can integrate like the next day to actually really find more alignment in our lives. Um, so yeah, I've been working with it for six years now and it's been unbelievable. It's been beautiful to kind of witness how ready the world is for it because they definitely were not when I first started sharing about it. Yeah, I remember I was listening to a podcast and they had a human design person on. And I remember I was like, oh, let me look this up. And I read all the things about who I was. And it's based on like the time you were born and yeah. um, your birthplace. And I was never, I never felt so seen in my entire life. Like it just, it, it just clicked mm. for me that I've been trying to operate in the world in one way. But when I read yeah. what human design was and he, what my type was, I was like, oh, there's another way to do it. It doesn't have to be one way. And I feel like this totally. past year has been a good example of that because we've all been forced to do things in a completely different way with working, with being on Zoom calls, with being remotes and just doing a lot less. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can I think this is very helpful for people, especially in this new stage of the world that we're in. 100%. You know, I think that like exactly like you said, especially, you know, we all share a type, which I'm sure we'll mm -hmm. talk about, but like we often have spent a lot of our lives trying to be all the things that we're not. And we're like trying to build businesses, how other people are building businesses and parent how other people are. And I think like how human design, what human design does is that it really just reminds us that we're all meant to do it radically differently. And we often just find so much more flow in our lives when we do that. And that's why it's so useful to not only understand ourselves, but our partners and our kids and our families and our teams, because you really start to understand and know how to support people that are really different than you. Yes. And like you said, which I forgot, it's based on your exact time, date, and place Perfect. of birth. <laughs> Um, yes. Can you then just go through all the types? Just give us a little breakdown of each yeah. human design type. Yes. And what I'll share is that in human design, while there are five different types, it's mm -hmm. so specific. So you might be like, wow, my partner's a generator and so am I, but like, it's just the first distinction. There's so much more to it. Um, but this is a very important piece of our design because it really speaks to how we're designed to best use our energy. And so we've got manifesting generators, generators, projectors, reflectors, and manifestors, with each type comes a strategy, which is basically like how we're meant to best create opportunities for ourselves. So generators and manifesting generators make up the majority of the population. In no way does this mean these people are not unique. Again, it's just the first distinction. There are so many different layers to it. 
but these are just like the energy beings. These are the people that really have the energy and the life force to kind of build and create and bring things to life. Like they actually have a battery they're meant to use up every day to like feel satisfied and fulfilled. The difference here between the two is that manifesting generators are often the kind of very multi-passionate by nature. They like having their energy in a lot of things at once, not doing just one thing. And they often can bring their ideas to life very quickly, but in doing so they can sk skip a few steps along the way. So it's going to be surrounded by people that can support them in that. And generators are more about mastery, like really going deep into things. And then when it's time moving on, but because both these types are really energy beings and have the energy and life force to kind of build, create and make things happen you know, boundaries are really important because people can just sense that they can do things. So they ask them to do everything. So I would just trust both of these types that the more lit up and satisfied you are by what you're doing, the more energy you'll have and the more magnetic you'll become in attracting things to you. And the strategy for both these types is magnetism. They're not meant to chase after a thing. Life is meant to come to them and their work is to keep their awareness open and see what shows up and lights up mm -hmm. their day. Yes. Make sense? Um, you know, and I will say, oh, uh, go ahead. can you name a couple of man gens and gens that people might know just so they can get like an idea of totally. So, you know, in terms of like famous manifesting generators, you know, Jessica Alba is a manifesting generator. I think a good example of just like, again, having your hands on lots of different things. It's like, not just like, I'm going to be an actress. It's like, uh, you know, just all the things like that's what actually stimulates and kind of keeps them excited. You know, I, I know, I know a lot of people are reading Glennon Doyle's books. Glennon Doyle's a manifesting generator. Um, generators, you know, Oprah is a good example of that. Joe Biden's yeah. a generator. Kamala is a generator. Um, and yeah, those are some That's good perfect. examples. But again, I'll just say that like any type yeah. can do anything. You know what I mean? I was like, even looking at our last like four or five presidents and like every type is represented, but a reflector, you know? So it's just like, it's more about just how we do it and in a way mm -hmm. that works for us. Interesting. Um, and the last piece that I would just share is just making sure with those types that they really are constantly checking in to see what is lighting up and exciting them and what's not and letting go of things as much as they can when they are and really creating space for the things that really do naturally energize them. Then we've got projectors. Mm -hmm. So the three of us are all projectors and these are really here. To, these people are really here to be the leaders, the guides, the advisors, the teachers, not here to do all yeah. the doing. Projectors love systems, which is probably why so many projectors love human design. Like we just love anything that helps us better understand people and how they work. You know, because we live in a world of primarily generators and manifesting generators, we're basically always trying to keep up, you know? And so part of being a projector is trusting that your worth is not in how hard you work or how much you do, but rather like in your perspective and how you see. It is so important to learn to really honor the ebbs and flows of your energy and kind of take rest when you need. Um, and also know that like, you've just got a gift for people. Like you're so sensitive to other people's energy, which is what makes these people amazing CEOs and managers and, you know, people that are influencing or therapists, coaches, like there's so many expressions of this. Um, and the strategy for us as projectors is waiting for a sense of recognition and invitation mm -hmm. because we bring such a different kind of energy and way of seeing things to the table. It's so important that we're really only sharing our guidance with people that are really ready to hear it. If people aren't ready for it, they're just like, no, thank you. You know what I mean? So just like really reflecting on where in your life you feel the most invited in and the most recognized. Um, and it's not a passive strategy. Like your job is to share who you are with the world and let the right people kind of resonate with your energy and invite mm -hmm. you in. And we're also just not available for everyone. Like we're very sensitive and we're always kind of like absorbing people's energy in a very intense way. So it's really about absorbing people that we actually like want to guide and be in it with and not mm -hmm. just everyone's. Yeah. How does that feel for the two of you? Go ahead. Oh my gosh. I mean, it hits, it hits the nail on the coffin. I started going to therapy, seeing this new therapist, therapist about a year and a half ago. And when I started seeing her, I was having, I had gone back to a nine to five. I really wanted it to work. And I was just having res like face with resistance constantly. Mm, and, 
um, she kept telling me, like, I felt exhausted throughout the day. I felt like I couldn't keep up with emails. I felt like even the most simple task, I couldn't like retain any type of information. My anxiety was just peaking. And so she was the one who had encouraged me. She's like, please take a look at your wow. human design. Wow. She's like, because I have a feeling that you might be you know, the type that needs a lot more rest and can't be consistently and constantly around people and you absorb a lot of energy. So then it's something that I had listened to and I had, I, I had done it really quickly, but I never took the time to actually like dive in. And it, it was last year where I probably like a week, I mean, I have a book filled with all the notes that I took about being a projector. And when I found out exactly like waiting to be invited, waiting for that invitation, you know, like you're kind of more of an introvert where you need to really be disciplined with preserving your time off Mm -hmm. versus you're like just thinking about time on. It really allowed me to feel so much better about my energy type because I was going down the rabbit hole thinking like there's something wrong with me. Like all my friends, I'm a hundred percent positive that the majority of my friends are generators and manifesting generators because these people can wake up and just work to the wee hours and they can do like multiple projects at once. And like non, one of my best friends, she's like nonstop. She can have a business here and a business here and do this and manage this. And I'm, I can only take on like one project a day. Yeah. So finding out my human design really gave me that licensing to be a lot easier on myself. Um, and, you know, the same way with like some other people, if they even feel shame for always like being so energetic or, mm-hmm. you know, people always coming to them, like how you said, like coming to them to for help. Yeah. Almost like once you understand your human design and you understand the boundaries that you need to set around it, it it's exactly what you say. You like, you settle into more flow. Yeah. I'm still learning a lot. Of course. Yeah. I don't really feel like I have a full grip on how to navigate with my human mm-hmm. design just because of the people that I'm surrounded by. I yeah. think environmentally there's, mm-hmm. it can shift yes. um, and you absorb a lot of that energy. Um, but it really is exciting. I'm like really excited to be talking to you. And it's really exciting once I found that out, how much better I felt. Yeah. Just like a relief. Yeah. Like when I first learned my design, I was just like, what? I get to be me. And like, I get to be more successful doing that. Cause like I spent my entire life just like trying so hard Mm -hmm. to be a generator. And like, I was just like, I never was great at it, you know, obviously. And so I think it really is such a relief. And that's why I say it's not often about like telling people things they don't know or like changing who they are. And often it's just like, wow, you're like giving a language to the things I've always known and never really like allowed myself to step into because whatever our type, whether we're projectors or generators, I know we talk about, we'll talk about manifestors and reflectors. Like we're often trying to be all the things that we're not. And so human design just like returns us to who we are. And it's just, it's the most relieving thing. And just knowing that everyone in the world or any space that you're in has a different role is really amazing to know. And knowing that, because I was always constantly seeing my worth based in how much I was producing or doing or made it look like I was being productive where now I'm realize I've realized through knowing my human design that my worth is just there but I have a different way of doing yeah. things and I have my own gifts and my own things to provide and it's just it's there's a flow just because it's just so much easier just to be yourself versus facing the resistance of like trying to be some other thing or trying to have this energy that you don't have and not being like judgmental of that, but just 
allowing it to be has been so nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's also just like, I think such a reminder that we all need each other. Like you said, you know, it's just like, I think it like reveals our differences. And then I think in my experience makes us so appreciative that like we can Mm -hmm. leverage each other. You know, that's why Mm -hmm. I love working with teams. When you really understand what each person brings, it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. We can be amazing, but like, we're not going to do well if we're trying to all be the same thing. So I think that it really does bring us closer together when we realize how much we need. So then we've got manifestors. So manifestors are the initiators, the ones that are really here to get things started, get the ball rolling, not always here to do all the doing themselves, but often like just to get things started. They often really thrive when they have a lot of freedom and autonomy and control. So they're not really here to be told what to do or manage and guided in any way. They're really here to do things on their own terms and in their own way. And they can also like struggle if they're in this like traditional corporate environment and being told what to do. You know, I find them, they are very naturally entrepreneurial or they thrive when they're just like given their own domain to be in charge of. Um, they're often pretty comfortable with solitude and love being left alone to do what they please. You know, similar to projectors, they really, their energy can really operate in spurts. Um, and their strategy is all about initiating. Like they're not here to wait for anything to come to them. They're here to kind of really get the ball rolling and get things started themselves. Um, and the second part of their strategy is called informing. And the idea is that if they just like move through life and don't keep the kind of people around them informed, people can really resist it. But if they just like keep people in the loop, like I'm going here, I'm doing this, like people just like are at ease. And so for manifestors, it's never about asking for permission or even explaining why you're doing what you're doing. You're literally just like giving people a heads up and you'll often find that you feel so much more supported when you do. And the last piece that I'll share, I remember actually Sydney, when we first met, there was a manifestor in that group. And like, and I remember she was like, I don't really feel like that powerful. And I feel like, and everyone else was like, oh my God, I so see it in you because I think that like manifestors so often don't feel permission to be as powerful as they are, you know? And so I think it really takes some practice to be like, you know, I'm not here to people please at all. Like I'm here to be like big and powerful and impactful and maybe polarizing. Maybe some people are going to love me. Some people like aren't, but like, I really got to just stand so tall in who I am and that will really allow me to Yeah, that's a very good point. And I almost wonder if the fact that she's a woman that had an effect on her because it was a group of women, like being told to like be nice and quiet and do what's told of you. I think that also has, there's all these like societal things that are placed on that, which is, I think that's hard sometimes to process what your type is depending on what it is. Um, But yeah, absolutely. And then we've got reflectors. Reflectors are the most rare. They're about 1% of the population. And we really call these people like our collective mirrors. These are people that are incredibly sensitive to their physical space and always kind of taking in everything in their environment and mirroring it back. So you really get a good sense of like how a team is doing or a company or a community just by how their reflector is showing up. So it's really important for reflectors to be just like such ruthless curators of who and where they're spending time because they're going to take it all in. Um, and the magic of reflectors is like in there. Let me look at so like for Bibiana, like you might feel a touch of this, but it's so um, central to being a reflector. Like they're just like so naturally fluid. They're not really meant to express themselves in just one way. And they might appear to where they feel like a generator, like a manifesting generator, like a projector, like a manifester. And their job is to really just embrace what feels authentic to where they are in the moment and not try to be like just one thing. And in the context of business, we call reflectors evaluators just because they carry such a unique perspective and kind of way of seeing the world. Um, And so it's really important for them to really be in environments where they really feel their perspective feels invited in. And finally, for reflectors, like just time alone is going to be so important just to kind of like disconnect from all the energy that's not theirs. Um, And their strategy is similar to projectors in terms of needing to be like invited in and initiated, but also to really take their time before they make a decision to really feel into something. Yeah. Aren't those, aren't reflectors the rarest type out there. I think that's really interesting too, because of the fact that they amplify what's going on in the room or the the situation that they're in. And 
it's cool to know if someone in your life is a reflector because then you can look to them and be like, how's how are things totally. going with whatever's happening? Like, say you're in a business with them and th- you don't know how like the dynamic yeah. is in the office. Like, the reflector would be a great person yes. to look at to use those tools that they have. Exactly. Like I always say, when I sit with reflectors, I'm like the ideal job is like a CEO whisperer, where it's just like, you're in a job where you can literally just like, you know, tell the CEO or the person like whatever you're seeing, you know what I mean? Because like, you just have this really objective, powerful way of seeing it. Like, obviously, you could have a bajillion different jobs, you could be the CEO. But I just think that like, there's such an objective way that you see things that you just see things that other people miss and Mm -hmm. things that we need to see which is in part why we don't have tons of them because we don't need everyone offering that. And that's why primarily we have generators and manifesting generators because they're the ones that are here to build, create and bring things to life, you know? So it is interesting to kind of see the percentages because no one like has a bigger or smaller role. Yeah, they're just different. Absolutely. Um, can you just quickly yeah. give me a famous example from, I think we projectors, manifestors oh, yes. and reflectors. I think it's just helpful. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, now I'm like in the yeah. presidential you know, world, but so like projectors, mm-hmm. Obama, you know, Bernie Sanders, like obviously like whether or not you support them, like pretty mm-hmm. natural leaders and guides, like Obama is very much not here to do all the doing, but like needs the right allies. Um, Alicia Keys is a projector. Um, who there, I mean, a lot of like interviewers are projectors too, you know, manifestors. We have like Maya Angelou, Gloria Steinem, like people that are really kind of the first um, George Bush, um, the most recent one, also a manifester. Reflectors, I wish we had more, um, but like it's a little bit hard because we don't always know every, everyone's birth information. But I don't know if you guys know Ama, but she's a reflector. Um, do you guys know yes, that? Like, the I, hugging know, I know from you telling me about her, but. <laughs> oh, I told you about her last time. That's the only reason why I know. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, oh my God, it's amazing. I mean, she's just given like honestly millions of hugs, but she like goes and you hug her. And then like my experience was like, I just burst out crying. Like she really just is such a powerful mirror for people. Um, Sandra Bullock as a reflector, you know, it's a really natural position, I think, in an acting role. Um, I don't think we know about Michael Jackson. He's either a reflector yeah, or a projector. I could see that. And like, again, they're kind of here to do things on their own terms. You know what I mean? So like, even that's, if you're somebody trying to get you to do things in their way, like it's very natural for them to be like, that's probably not going to work for me. Like just kind of really trust yeah. themselves there. Could you, you said that you work a lot with teams. Yeah. Correct. So could you give us a little bit of insight business wise and when you're working with more than just one person, whether it's just, you know, in Sydney's case, like working with the co-host or even in my case, I work with um, mentoring a group of women and it can be anything from like five, one month to 10 of the other. And I think a lot of what I've seen is I'm trying to model the behavior from the people that are above me and their generators And so I found myself throughout my business journey feeling really inauthentic because I don't like, I really do. I I saw one projector speak about like, she's literally an anti-hustler and I identify with that so much because I don't want to be on a call at 10 o'clock at night. It doesn't light me up and I can burn out really easily. So when you're working with teams and, you know, you can take us through each and every um, different type, but what would you say would be a good focus for someone that is working amongst others, mm-hmm. um, like on a day-to-day basis for your type, like things that little habits and things where you can kind of become aware of yeah. to start living in like your human design and your authenticity. Yeah. 
Totally. You know, I think the team stuff is so helpful just because we spend so much of our lives working with people. And like when we don't really understand and appreciate how different they are, it can be challenging. Well, actually, first I'll say that like, I really don't like to use human design in a super limiting way in terms of being like only projectors can be this and only generators can be this. So like, I really believe anything's possible, but the container will probably look a little bit different for everybody. So I would say for generators, like you're here to be a doer and a builder and a creator. And like, you're here to do what you feel lit up and satisfied by. And maybe you're like, I feel so lit up by managing a team or I feel so lit up by just like managing this project, you know, whatever it is. So like, I would make sure that you really feel so energized and personally satisfied and fulfilled by whatever it is you're working on. And if there are pieces of it that are really depleting and draining you, like maybe you cannot hand it off immediately, but I would recognize those things so that you can. You know, I've worked with a lot of teams recently managing generators and it's just like check in with them, make sure they're so lit up and satisfied because like when they're lit up and satisfied, they're gonna one, do it so well, but also like power everyone around them with their energy. Like being around like a lit up generator is like the best feeling in the world. And so I think for them, it's really making sure they feel satisfied. I also think in terms of community with generators, you often want to ask them very specific questions. So instead of being like, what do you think we should do about this? Like I would ask them like, do you want to do this or this? Do you want to go here or here? Like when you communicate in that kind of specific yes, no way, it really can um, connects them immediately to their truth. Manifesting generators, you know, again, similarly, you want to make sure they're really lit up and satisfied with what they're doing, but they're probably going to feel like a little bit bored if they're doing the same mm-hmm. thing every day, you know? And so yeah. like, I think whether it is in one job or whether they have multiple jobs, like I think feeling stimulated and excited is going to be key. Um, manifesting generators don't tend to be like the most gifted at handling the details. It doesn't mean they can't, but their gift is in moving fast. So I would actually really bring the support around them where they can, people can help them in the step by step so they can kind of remain in their own powerful creative flow. Um, similarly, it's really good to communicate with them with those kind of specific yes, no questions. And whenever I work with a manifesting generator, I have to remind them to like not expect their team to keep up with them. You know, I'll work with like manifesting generators and they'll have a team of like projectors or whatever. It's totally different. And they like, are, are just like, why is not everyone like moving quite as fast as me? I'm like, they're not meant to, you know? So I think it's like honoring that as their unique gift. Um, as a projector, most importantly, I would make sure that you feel so recognized and invited in by the people that you're working with. And you might be like, wow, they really recognize me, but not for the thing that I see in myself. Like, I mean that you're recognized in a way that you're like, they see me in the way that I want to be seen and feels authentic. Um, I would make sure that you have a container for yourself where you can, where you can pull away and not be around people all the time. You're here to kind of like lead from the outside and not be in the hustle of it all. Um, also a container where you can really honor the ebbs and flows of your energy and like, it's not really about just like doing more. That's not really kind of like how you're here to show mm-hmm. us success. Like you're here to show us a new kind of success, which is about like being the anti-hustler, like not doing so much. But that said, our biggest shadow as projectors is doing too much um, and not knowing when to stop. And I would say if you're working with a projector, make an effort to really make them feel so recognized and invited in, you know, like just yeah. like proactively, like just like seeing them is going to be like the most meaningful thing. Super selfish. So sorry selfish question right now but what would you say as a projector leading because you said like you know there's bernie sanders and obama they're projectors so what tips would you give a projector that's leading a team yeah well one i think that like you're just not meant to do it all on your own like i've always had a generator or manifesting generator business partner so like i think that like bringing on support whenever you can i know that might not be always feasible immediately but like I would bring some energy out around you. You know what I mean? Just so that you can feel supported. And yeah. And I think that like leading is great. That's like often the most natural place for a projector, but I would just make sure that you have people that really see you that you're leading and that you feel like you're really able to kind of delegate and hand things off. And I would get super clear on a leader on what you uniquely Mm -hmm. do well. And honestly, when it's possible, bring on people to do the rest. 
you know, also one-on-one time with projectors is great. You know, if you're leading, I would make sure you cultivate some, like create some one-on-one time with the people on your team, because that's probably going to be the thing that like makes you feel the most recognized and makes you feel the most seen. Obviously yeah. mm-hmm. there'll be limits to how much of that you can do. Right. Because then the energy kind Makes of wears sense. out. So then you don't want to, yeah, it's like a balance. You know, like ideally, like I would say the projectors working in an office, it's good for them to just like be in an office where they can just be in their own space and people can like just come in for guidance. You know what I mean? And like leave, but that's not like kind of their, they're not with people all the time. Like being able to kind of come back to their own energy is going to be really important. And then manifestors, you know, I think in terms of work, like I would just make sure that they can do things on their own terms and in their own way, you know, and like often it's just like good to like set a manifestor free to do whatever it is they want to do. And then like, then just kind of, they got to keep you informed and let you know how it's going. Um, you really often don't want to tell a manifestor what to do. They're really not going to thrive with that. And um, they often are also are not going to thrive with like penetrating or pestering them with questions. So just like keeping them informed of like what's going on and keeping each other in the loop, but not yeah, you're going to interact with them in a generator or manifesting generator in such a different way. Um, and also I think manifestors are gifted at initiating, but not always here to do all the doing. So if they, is there, if there's way to get ways to give them support so they can hand things off, that'd be also be useful. And reflectors, you know, like they move, they thrive when they move their energy around and they're not with like the same team or the same person all the time. So I think giving them freedom to kind of sample and be around other people's energy. And, you know, given that reflectors are so valuable and the perspective that they offer, I would make sure that you're so taking advantage of and inviting in your reflectors. Like, I think as Sydney said, it's so good to know that like whenever I had a reflector on my team, I'm just like all the time, I'm like, what do you think about this? What do you see about this? Like just really leveraging them, you know, and also know that reflectors, like they're going to ebb and flow. They might have a week where they're just like so amazing and they do so much. And then the next week mm-hmm. they like just have to chill, you know? So like, I think having a container for them where they feel so empowered to really honor kind of the natural ebbs and flows of their own energy. What I like about what you do, Erin, how you go into businesses or different settings and kind of give people roles or tell people about who they are and apply that to the role is that I feel like a lot of times when people hear things about human design or stuff like, or even like horoscopes, they think it's like spiritual and woo-woo and like too much, but there's such like an Mm -hmm. applicable part to human design that you can really like apply it to like work settings and CEOs like you've talked I'm sure I've talked to like many different like corporate settings about human design which is so cool and Mm -hmm. that's the magic you know I think that like that was always my intention is to make the system as just like simple and accessible and like like especially accessible to skeptics so honestly a lot of my clients especially my corporate clients are like Mm -hmm. total skeptics you know even I there's one team that I've been working with for like a year and a half and like the, the boss was really into it. And the people that I worked with on the team were into it, but they were also like, yeah. this is a little bit weird, you know? And now they like, they worked with it long enough that they're like, this is weird, but it's insanely useful. And so now they're all like, we're going to bring it to our teams. And like, it's just amazing to kind of watch that over time where it's just like, I think what I always remind people is like, the question is not, is it true? The question mm-hmm. is, is it helpful? And I think the answer to that second question is almost always yes. You know, and so I think that there's just ways to talk about it that I think can feel really empowering for people. And it's really just like an unbelievable tool to help us better understand ourselves and the people around us. One thing I wanted to also have you break down was the authorities, because that's what's helpful for manifesting and knowing like when you're trying to make a decision in your life. So I think that's a really applicable applicable part of this. So if you don't mind just breaking those down real quick. Of course. So just so you guys know that if you look up your design, you'll see something called the inner authority and the inner authority is how you're best designed to make decisions. And, you know, like Sydney said, we're making decisions literally every single day. You know what I mean? So it's really useful to know what it is for us so we can make decisions in less of a mental way and kind of talk ourselves out of things, but more in a like 
physical embodied way where we just like know something's true. So, you know, the first one I'll talk about is emotional. So, um, Bibiana, you're emotional, which I know, you know, um, I'm also emotional. This can be true for any type, but reflectors. And if you're an emotional decision maker, it just means that clarity comes with time. You might have an initial instinct about something, but it can change very quickly. And so the best thing that you can do when you oh make gosh, a decision is to buy yourself time. It's Mm -hmm. super hard. You know what I mean? Especially when it's like, I want to do it now. But it's just like my experience is that if I make a decision impulsively, like I often wake up the next day and I'm like, what in the world did I commit to? You know? And it's, it doesn't always mean it's wrong, but often if we just take a Mm -hmm. moment before we enter into it, it really allows us to like enter and enter into the right things in the first place. You do to kind of slow yourself down when you're about to make a decision that you're like, how do you, what are the, what are some little cues that you give yourself to, to ask? Like, okay, am I, does this align with my human design? Is this like, am I doing this impulsively? Like, how do you, is that just a muscle that you then strengthen throughout time to kind of filter yourself? Yeah, it is a muscle. I think that as a projector, like first question is like, do I feel recognized? Like, does this feel like an invitation where I feel so authentically seen? And like, if it's a yes, then I'm just like, note it. I'll let them know tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, I just like, I really do my best to not answer right away because I think that for me, I've had enough life experience where I have answered right away and that's are going to be our impulse. But I just like, then I've overcommitted to things or like let go of things that I didn't want. And like, I think when I first discovered human design, there was a fear that if I like didn't respond immediately, the opportunity would like disappear. And I think that I've learned that like by taking time, like it just tends to build respect and the opportunity like even gets better. And so I think that for me, I just know that if I don't do it, I'm going to often regret what I'm saying yes to. So I think that like, I just, I make it a practice to not ever respond in the moment. So I would just check in where it's like, okay, I have an instinct. I'm going to even like write it down and then I'll check it in 24 hours and see where I am on that same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is so hard to do with like and the like that, direct results of today, like social media, everything like answer right now. So yeah, that's a hard practice to develop, but I'm sure it will help. But just know that honestly, 50% of people are emotional. So a ton of us are. And like, and it honestly, when we react impulsively, it sends chaos out into our environment. You know what I mean? And so it really is like, I know that it can feel annoying, but like, I just can't stress enough that like a little bit of patience at the outset really allows us to just enter into the right things in the first place. You know, and I'm not saying even like postpone a thing indefinitely, just even like 24 hours or 10 hours or five hours can make such a big difference because it like really allows you to kind of see something from so many different angles mm-hmm. and confirm it's true. But it's again, really useful to know in partnership. If you're like, I'm super impulsive and your partner has to like sleep on it. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, we operate differently. Like how can we honor that? So even in terms of your question, like Bibiana, my partner is um, more quick in his decision-making and him knowing this about me is really useful because even when I'm like, have the impulse, like he'll remind me to just like slow it down. You know what I mean? Because he knows that clarity takes time for me. There are some people that are sacral decision makers, which is basically all about kind of trusting your gut response in the moment. This is only possible for generators and manifesting generators. And there's so much talk out there of like, follow your gut, listen to your gut. But like most of us don't have that gut response. But these are the people that really do. And so when they make a decision, it's meant to be based on kind of this visceral gut response in the moment where they either feel kind of expansion towards something or contraction away. And so, you know, for them, the decisions are not, the right ones are not the ones they can like rationalize or make sense of. It's literally just like, it feels right or it doesn't. And this is why asking them really specific questions helps them connect to it. Like if you ask a sacral person, like what they want to eat for dinner, they might just be like, not a clue. But like, you're like, do you want to go out, cook at home? They're like, oh my God, I'd love to go out. You know, do you want to like Thai or Italian? It's like Italian. Like they'll just know immediately. And so 
really useful. I worked with a lot of teams recently where everyone is sacral and like they often get like so lost because they're just like not trusting their gut and they're getting so in their heads. And so I think really kind of helping people tap into their gut is really powerful because there's such a tendency to want to rationalize or make sense of all of our decisions, but we can basically convince ourselves in or out of anything. And so the gut is kind of meant to be more reliable tool there. There are splenic decision makers, which is basically all about kind of trusting your intuition in the moment. Intuition is different than the gut response. Gut response is like a very visceral feeling in the belly and intuition is just like a quiet knowing. It's like a resonance with something or not, tingles that you feel like a, just like a thought or a feeling that comes in. And these people are really meant to get quiet enough to hear their intuition and then just kind of be courageous enough to act once it comes. Then we've got ego decision makers, which is basically all about making decisions based on whether or not your heart is in something and whether or not you really desire something. It's really important for these people to feel like they're really taken care of by their decisions and they're not just like giving too much without feeling the reciprocity. And then for you, Sydney, as a self-projected decision maker, you know, your truth, I know you know this, but like really comes through your voice. So the best thing that you can do when you make a decision is to really surround yourself by people that really allow you to verbally process because it's by saying something out loud that you actually get clear on whether or not it's right for you, you know? And so you're not looking to others for advice or guidance, but you're literally just kind of creating that container for yourself. And it's been important to figure out who those people are who have those opinions and voice them too. Cause like, otherwise I'm, I won't be able to to clearly see them or they, they won't give me the space to talk them through. So that's been a very important part of that. Yes. And like, maybe not everyone's going to be that for you, but I think identifying mm-hmm. the people that can be. And I would say even like journaling and voice recording can be especially Absolutely. important Podcasting has been helpful. <laughs> Podcasting yeah. is super natural for you. Yes. And again, like there's a lot of power that comes through your voice. And also like, I would say for you and your decision-making, like it's important that your decisions feel like such a creative, authentic mm-hmm. expression of who you are. You know what I mean? So always asking yourself, like, does this decision like allow my creativity? Does it like allow my self-expression? Like, does it really make mm. me feel like me? You know, it's just like, cause you're like meant to, you've got a really strong identity in your design. So I think it's important that whatever it is you do, it's like, I feel so authentically yeah. expressed. Which can be sense. hard because I, everything has to have meaning for me. So it's sometimes difficult to find yeah. those things, but I just have to be patient Yes. And willing to stick to that because if they don't, I just feel empty inside. <laughs> and especially like you mm-hmm. want it to come out through your voice. You know what I mean? You just like mm-hmm. want to be heard in that way too. Um, then we've got mental decision makers. These are projectors. Also need to talk things out, but it's more about kind of talking things out in different spaces that feel good, often a few different spaces that feel good because they're really sensitive to their physical space. And then we've got reflectors and they're really designed to give them a full 28 to 30 days before they make a big decision. I know it's not always feasible to give themselves that much time. So I think my recommendation for them is always just to like take as much time as you need and just know that you're probably going to operate at a different pace mm-hmm. than the people around you. And so like if other people are pressuring you, it's like noticing that, but taking the time that you need. So that's wow. the authority. Yeah. Um, that's a lot, but I think it's helpful to know those things. So then, you know, like, cause I, sometimes yeah. you're making decisions and it's, you just go about the same way, like in your head, like thinking about it, but there's so many other ways to go about that and to tune into whatever your design type is or whatever totally. your authority is to, in order to make those informed decisions. And just like do it in a way that you can trust. You know, I think again, we can talk ourselves in or out of basically anything, but I think this is really like dropping the decision-making into like a different place in our bodies in a way that like, we're not going to often know why we're doing a thing, but we'll just know that it feels right. You know, so it is kind of releasing the need to like know why this thing feels right or doesn't and just trusting that if it does, like it will take us in the right direction. I could go on for hours with my questions. Um, I want to bring it to, I've noticed this a lot lately. Um, with taking in social media and maybe even with the news, there's just like constantly, it just feels like overstimulation. And I yeah. feel like it's also, I, I'm, I take in a lot of people's emotions and I know that. So 
I have to set the boundaries with that. Yeah. But is there something that we should be aware, not, not even just like projectors, but I feel like in general of like what social media and how that can affect our day to day and based, not necessarily based on each type because it'll take a while to do that, but just like advice for applying yeah. your human design or this to that space. Well, I think there's an area of our design that can really speak to like what we're the most sensitive to taking in from other people. And like, those are what we call our open centers. So those are really useful to dive into because I know Sydney, yeah, like you can really take in other people's fears and their stress and their emotions, you know, and so that's a lot to take in. And then I think for, um, for you, Bibiana, it's more about like taking in people's ways of communicating and their identity and like all their energy. And so like, I just think that like, none of us are meant to like avoid other people, but I think that like, we've just got to be so discerning about who we surround ourselves by because we're going to be conditioned by them. We're going to like literally take this stuff into our bodies, whatever it is, our type, you know, and it's obviously going to be a little bit more impactful in person, but we do it online as well. And so whatever your type, I think it's useful to know where you're most sensitive to taking things in, but also to be just like so highly discerning. And I would say like, none of us, I think are really meant to just be like scrolling Instagram and news right before we go to bed. But like, I would say, especially for projectors, reflectors and manifestors like it's really good to have like an unwind process before bed and to like not be super stimulated before you go to sleep you know and so just like kind of clearing out your energy that's a really powerful time to do it um but yeah I think that we've got to be there's a lot out there right now and I think that like I think we often just have a very unconscious relationship to it and I think just like we've got to I think in general be like incredibly conscious about what we're allowing in because again whatever our design whatever our type we all have areas where we're taking other people's energy and like it just better be energy that like yeah. feels right to take in you know and that will be like uplifted by or we'll learn something by um because yeah it can be yeah. challenging if it's not just to kind of piggyback on what you're expressing about social media one of the neuroscientists that I follow she says everything that you're consuming on a daily basis is you know essentially um affecting your subconscious mind so I'm like how you mentioned unconsciously and I I definitely see how you know being a projector being someone who maybe perhaps I can work a five hour I have like a window of like five hours and this is something that I've kind of learned like typically by like three or four o'clock my my energy just starts to just dwindle Mm -hmm. down and I want to shut down and I kind of don't want to be on my phone. And more than anything, I think if whatever your human design is, whatever your energy level is like play with it, because it's something that I've started to do. And in order to kind of figure out, cause it's not going to be the exact same thing for each person within the type, like you just mm-hmm. said, of course, it needs yeah. a different, um, her authority kind of than yeah. our authority. So it, it ebbs and flows. And so kind of playing with the boundaries that you start to discover yourself, like implement that within how, like how you're using social media and how you're taking it in. And so easy yeah. example, like I feel the most lit up time of my life it's like a window that I always think back to um 2019 right around like April and May I was taking such good care of myself where my morning routine was just like I was really disciplined with it my alarm would go off I didn't actually my alarm didn't go off I was very like I'm gonna wake up when I wake up and I would wake up pretty early but I would leave my phone in the room and have my morning time have my gratitude have my water have my coffee for an entire hour before getting dressed and moving my body disconnected from my phone. And then I found that after 30 days of just doing that, I felt so much more gratitude for myself for actually giving my mind the time to just breathe and not just consistent, like wake up and, you know, consume. And it's something that I'm, I'm definitely falling short in at the moment. It's so 
hard, mm-hmm. especially like since COVID and being shut down and like the way that you connect with people, it's always like through text message yeah. or FaceTime or yeah. Zoom, there's, we lack that human connection and in-person and touch. Um, but one of the other things that I really want to start implementing is like eight o'clock shutdown yeah. time. So, yeah, which is really right. difficult because so many people want to have meetings at eight or nine or, you know, the other day I was connecting with this girl on Instagram. She really wanted to do a live and she suggested like 8 p.m. And I just thought to myself, wow, 8 p.m. Like, so late for me. And those are like the perfect little examples where I can see how like, oh, my gosh, I'm such a projector. I guess what I'm trying to say is just like identifying like what really pulls your energy and then setting a boundary around it um, in order to really allow you to feel like you're aligning with yourself and your human design and most importantly, your your authentic code. Yes, totally. You know, and it's going to be so different, like based on each person's individual design, like what they're going to need and the rituals they're going to need and and how they needed, what they need to do before they sleep. Like it's all going to be so different, but yes, I think that like, I just think in general, we've got to be really intentional about like, about again, what we're surrounding ourselves by. And again, the point is never to be like avoid people or things. It's just like doing it in a really conscious way. And, you know, even just looking at your design, Viviana, it's like ritual and consistency is actually like so good for you. So I I can imagine having those things in the morning and like even Mm -hmm. the patterns at night are actually like the most grounding force. Whereas some people are really meant to do things like I'm like far more in the extremes. Like I learn from doing things in like such different ways all the time. So it just, again, it's useful to know these things just so that we can really ground into our design. And I think it's honestly a more important time than ever to learn our human design because there's a lot of uncertainty in the world and Mm -hmm. there's a lot that's going on. And I think just like the ability to like really tune into ourselves and like trust our own way of operating and like really know how we're designed to make decisions in a way that feels authentic, I think can be a really grounding necessary tool right now. Totally. Another question. um, This is related to love. How, um, how important can it be or how beneficial beneficial can it be within a relationship to learn each other's human design I think it's like the most useful but I don't think it's useful in the context of like okay like I'm a projector and I will only date generators you know or only date projectors like I don't think we need any system to limit us in that way but I think once there's chemistry with somebody and you're like really feeling that like that's a beautiful time to kind of sit down and understand how to best support each other because even whether or not you're similar or different like it's just really revealing. Like I did a partnership session last night and they're just really different. And it's really easy to make each other wrong for all those differences. Like, why don't you offer like me? And why do you do it so differently? And so I think human design really just like creates so much more compassion and understanding for each other because we just appreciate that people operate really differently than us. And human design gives us the tools to honor it. So I think it could be like the most useful in partnership, you know, but again, not as a way to choose the partner, but as a way to know how to best support and be in partnership mm-hmm. with the person. Compromise. Right. So important. Yeah. Um, I could totally yeah. it's with like a relationship with someone who always wants to go out to dinner and another yeah. like somebody the other partner just wants to like stay yeah. in and cook at home yeah I mean I had that last night with a manifesto and a generator and the generator like he was like super collaborative in his design like he always wanted to be social it was like all about community and the manifesto <laughs> was just like no like there will be some times where I'm in the mood but like I'm often not. And like, and he was like, I just don't get it. I can't go alone. And she's yeah. like, you got to, you know? So I just think in a moment like that, it's not about like her compromising. Cause it's actually not going to positively impact anyone. It's about just like honoring the fact mm-hmm. that they do it really differently and need different yeah, things. Yeah. Not different placing judgment on that. Just it's understanding and how do you work with yeah. it as a team essentially. 
Um, one last question I wanted to ask, because there's a way from your charts to know when you're out of alignment and in al- alignment based on your designs. Yes. When you know, or like, can you just describe what would that feel like? And then how do we go about generally like getting back into alignment? What should it feel like? So there are signals in our design that just reveal whether we're on or off track and they're really simple, but they're also really useful. So for generators and manifesting generators, a sense of being off track is frustration, which often shows up. It's just like kind of like a resentment or dissatisfaction in the work that they're doing. And a sense of being on track is just like deep satisfaction. It's like, I feel so satisfied and magnetic and lit up. And for them, when that frustration shows up, it's really just an invitation to kind of step back, pull their energy out and really reflect on whether or not it's still the right use of their energy. Like either it's not the right thing or maybe they were going to engage with it in a different way. So it's really kind of like an invitation to course correct. Um, for projectors, a sense of being off track is bitterness. For on track is success. The bitterness is rooted in not feeling appreciated, not feeling recognized, not feeling invited in. When the bitterness becomes an overwhelming feeling, I think it's either not the right thing for you anymore or perhaps the invitation mm-hmm. needs to be renewed because invitations can like expire so it's really good to kind of check in and see if you still feel recognized there for manifestors off track is anger which is often like when their flow is being disrupted and they can't be in control in the way that they want to be and on track is a sense of peace they can just like manifest with a lot more ease and so if they feel really angry you know stepping back and be like do i feel empowered do i feel in control am i initiating am i like trusting my power all the things and for reflectors a sense of being off track is disappointment and on track is a sense of surprise. And that disappointment is often just like an attempt to be a thing that they're not, or even they're spending time with the wrong people and kind of in the wrong places. And so it really is, I think more than anything, our not self, which is what it's called, is a way to bring us back into alignment. The point is never to eradicate these things from our lives, but to kind of use it as a tool mm-hmm. to step back and check in. Love it. Yeah. Baby, do you have any more questions yeah. for Aaron? No, I feel like this is I know. the perfect session to be a co-host i know i'm obsessed um so i've come up with a new podcast name as of like yesterday but i'm gonna call it something to share so at the end of each episode i wanted to ask like is there something that you wanted to share about yourself what you've learned lately or just anything that's coming to mind quickly before we wrap up um well one thing i've learned lately is that just like there's always more to learn i feel like the deeper i go like the more i'm just like oh my god like the less i feel like i know but i think that like I just think that one thing that feels important now and always is like, I don't know, just I guess trusting the fact that we're all meant to do it differently. And I think just like noticing where in your life you are making yourself wrong for like not operating in the way that other people are and like what it would feel like to just give yourself permission to do it in a way that works for you. You know, I think it really is so relieving to feel like we each have our own roadmap and it's going to look different than everyone around us. And so I think just like trying that on and like really trying on like not looking to other people to tell you what to do but to turn into words to your own inner authority to make decisions can just be like the most mm. transformative practice. So, so good. Erin, can you tell everyone yeah. where they can find you, social media, your website, and about your blueprint a little bit so people know where they can learn more? Yeah. So I'm Erin Claire Jones everywhere. My web- website is erinclairjones.com, Erin Claire Jones on Instagram. Um, and if you want to dig deeper, the best place I think to start is the blueprint, which is a 30 plus page guide on your unique design. So it goes through your type, authority, strategy, open centers, profile channels, all the things. And it's really meant to kind of just be like your own operating manual. So we can do a discount code Love, for your yeah. audience if you want. Um, and then I also offer individual sessions, team sessions, partnership sessions, workshops. Yes, all you're amazing. Well, thank you so much for being yeah, here. Thank you. That was great. Like I Thank said, I so could do this for hours, me. but <laughs> I know. It was so nice. Endless, especially with three projectors. <laughs> it's good to meet you too, Viviana. Bye, love. Thanks See for you having later. Me. <laughs>
Last thing for me, make sure you check out Erin's website and she was nice enough to give us the code SYDNEY for 10% off of her blueprints. So go check it out. That's it for something to share. We'll see you next Wednesday.